Bibles with you tonight, you want to turn there. You'll be taking some scripture out of the Gospel according to John in chapter 10. And uh, while you're finding that, I'm going to read some out of uh, Romans chapter 9 as well. Uh, But we're going to be taking the main body of our scripture tonight out of John chapter 10. And uh, we'll start reading at about verse 19. Uh, But in Romans chapter 9, and Paul's talking about Israel and their error in not believing on Christ. And I want to read uh, verses uh, 31, 32, and 33. Uh, It says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Verse 33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You see that uh, what we we see in here in the gospel according to John and what Paul was talking about was that Jesus come to him and it, and, it, and it should have been very obvious to him who he was and, and what he was uh, when he come into this world, but they didn't want to look and see uh, exactly who he was as far as his relationship to God and how that he was blessing the world and the works and everything that he had done. And so they disputed amongst themselves and they were offended because of the things that he had done. And I can tell you that church, if you, if you do things right and you found yourself in Christ, people are going to get offended by you. That's just a fact. That's going to happen. Uh, uh, but make no mistake, it's not yours uh, to offend the world unless you're in Christ. Uh, it's not yours to be able to go out there uh, and to win the kind of victories that we want to win unless we're founded in Christ. Uh, And Paul, and he refers to Christ uh, as that stumbling stone, that chief cornerstone, uh, as it were, uh, uh, that if you go back to when they built buildings like they did in this time, uh, uh, that the number one stone that had to be perfect, uh, had to be just right, was that cornerstone, that chief uh, cornerstone that it was set uh, in the spot because everything else was established off of it. And I can tell you that anything that you have as a Christian, anything you have in this world, if it's not founded on Christ, it won't last. That everything that you do, all of your strength is in that stone, that one that we've fallen upon. Because he said that if that stone falls upon you, it'll crush you. But if you fall upon it, then you'll be saved. And so what we're getting ready to read, the Pharisees... And the scribes, they come to Jesus uh, and there's a dispute amongst them. Uh, They're saying, well, how can he do the things that he's doing uh, unless he be of God? And others are saying he's of the devil. Uh, He's the wrong type. Uh, And trust me, church, if you're in him, they'll talk about you the same way. Notice here what it says in, in verse 19. It says, there was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Verse 21, Others said, there, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem 
And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly that they come to him they're like look just spit it out what are you who are you and why have you come into this world not dissimilar to what the apostle paul said when that he's knocked down off his high horse and laying there on the ground and blinded by a great light and he said saul saul why persecutest thou me and he said well who are you lord and he says i'm jesus and he revealed himself to him but the problem with these pharisees is is that they wouldn't believe no matter what Jesus had done. All they wanted was a presentation that they liked in the perfect environment. And it's no different than the world is today. They'll come to a church and they'll pick it to pieces because they don't like one of the people that's there. Or they'll come and say, well, they don't have the kind of music that I like. The preacher just don't preach it just right. He gets too loud. He don't get loud enough. He holds his ear while he preaches. He doesn't hold his ear. He doesn't use the right translation of the Bible. But I tell you this, all of it is useless if we don't found it in Christ. That this church is not a building. This is just a gathering place. The church is the people who were founded in Christ counting upon that chief cornerstone. Years ago, whenever that I first began to learn what meager carpentry skills that I know, that I was helping Dad build the house that we were building, and I remember he looked at me one day and he had on one of them big tool belts and everything. I inherited it from him, still have it. Uh, but he had it on there and he reached down into that nail pouch and he pulled out a single nail. And he looked right at me, right over top of his glasses as he would often do. And he'd say, son, the strength of this building right here is not in this nail. Now, I'd seen him use a lot of nails. I'd gotten him. Hey, Jeremiah, go get me a handful of nails and turn all the heads the right way. I never knew why he'd done that until I started using a nail pouch and seen how convenient that was. But he told me that, and I thought, what? And he walked over, and he picked up a two-by-four. And he said, this right here is where all the strength is in it. He said, but it's not even all the strength of this building. And I remember thinking, okay. And he said that all the strength that's in this two by four is when it transfers what's above it and weighing on it right on down into the next thing down, right on down into the foundation. He said the strength of this whole thing is founded in its foundation and in the ground. I never forgot that. That I began to understand. And I tell you, that was the fundamentals of carpentry is that the strength is in the foundation. You don't have to have everything square, plumb, and true above it. But I can tell you this, when it bears down to the foundation, if the foundation is Sure, uh, then the building ain't easily knocked down. Uh, uh, and that what Jesus was uh, faced with in this time uh, was that they were trying to build a building with no foundation. They come up with some kind of foundation that uh, they looked at and said, well, seems all right to me. Uh, and yet it was that it was shifty and unstable. Uh, and so they told Jesus, they said, why don't you just tell us? Just tell us if you're the Christ. Just, buddy, just spit it out. 
Because we're tired of disputing. Some say you are. Some say you aren't. Uh, uh, we're just butting heads and spinning our wheels. Uh, and so they come to Him. And notice what He says now. Uh, in verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. Uh, that He never minced words. Uh, very openly. Uh, when they come to take Him to crucify Him, He said, why'd you come out at night uh, like that I'm a thief or something? Uh, he told them, He said, every day I was in the temple and in the synagogues with you. And you never took me then, but rather you come out as though that I'm somebody who's done something in secret. And he told them, and they wouldn't believe him. He goes on and says, The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And earlier one of them said, well now how can a, a man that's a devil uh, 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 give the blind people their sight? And, and Jesus was essentially saying, believe me for what I'm doing. And I can tell you it's well said. Actions speak louder than words. And I can tell you somebody can tell you they love you, but how they treat you really reveals how they feel about you. That I, you know, I, I, I'm dumbfounded by, like I have a lot of these young uh, preteens and teen girls come up to me. Mr. Williamson, so-and-so, uh, we broke up and I'm just all upset and tore up and everything. And I'm like, well... First of all, don't let some knuckle-headed boy determine whether or not you have a good or bad day. Right. Now, I know at that age, you know, it's really important to them. And they're, they'll change their boyfriends and girlfriends to regular. I can't keep up. And I've had to tell them that a few times when they get offended. And I'm like, but I thought you was with him. That was last week, Mr. Williamson. <laughs> all apologies. <laughs> I forgot what which week it was. Well, who's next week? And they'll just roll their eyes at me and go on. Uh, but the thing is, uh, is that they'll look, and I, I've even told a few of them, I'm like, look, turn loose of that fella. He don't treat you right. And they'll look at me and start to roll their eyes, and, I, and I'd tell them, I'd say, it's the exact same thing I'd tell you if you were my kid. That their actions don't bear out what they say. And I told a student one time when... He was telling me and, and, and you know about how much that he loved this girl. And I told him, I said, son, I don't mean to disparage how you feel. And then I said, I, I mean, I don't mean to demean what you're saying. Because he looked at me funny when I said disparage. And I, I told him, I said, but when you say love, I said, that's offensive to me what you're calling love. And he said, why? How's that offensive to you? And I said, you see, I love somebody. I have a wife. And I love her dearly. And when that I thought I was losing my mind, she held right with me. She wouldn't quit on me when she had ever right to. And me the same way with her. And I told him, I said that I'm not just with her because that it benefits me, but I'm with her because that I love her. And the only thing that's going to separate us is if God chooses to part us through death. And I told him, I said, that's love. What you're talking about is strong feelings. And you may feel this way. But when you have true love for somebody, you'll suffer and suffer long. Actions speak louder than words do. 
And you see, Jesus is telling them this, and now uh, look what He says in verse 26. It says, But ye believe not, because ye are not of My sheep. As I said unto you, My sheep hear My voice, uh, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man uh, pluck them out of My hand. Uh, that He's telling them, look, when they're founded in Me, uh, uh, that they'll stand. Uh, when you, church, uh, are founded in Him, uh, even when somebody comes along and means to tear you down that they'll have to deal with that chief cornerstone and they can't uproot or tear it out. It's going to stand firm. Now they may come into your world and they may light a couple of fires and they may burn you back right to that chief cornerstone but you can start back building just right. Building back way better than our federal government could ever hope to do. That when you're founded upon that cornerstone, and you see the thing about that cornerstone, and I missed this for years because I didn't understand how they built stuff back then. But let me give you an example from my experience. Uh, years ago, uh, when they were be rebuilding the, or building the new Wayne Elementary, and I, my company, we were doing the dirt work on that job. We come in there, and this was the first one I ever seen come out of the ground. I'd worked on a few others, but the building was already pretty well built, and I was just there kind of helping clean up. Well, this one was a bare, vacant field, and we'd you know, done all the things that you do. And then there was this surveyor come in there, and uh, he laid out three points. And see, I would later learn the significance of those three points. Those were what they called the control points. And from those three points, they could determine where everything else to do with that building was supposed to be at on that job site. And I remember seeing the, the uh, carpenters and stuff, and they'd stretch tapes from each of those control points. And this is what's known as triangulation. From those three points, they could find any point on that building. And I was amazed. I'd sit there and kind of be slack-jawed watching them work and everything. And then the carpenter laid out this batter board. Now, I had never worked on a job site like that, and I was running a machine, but I was told, now, don't run into those batter boards because those batter boards were those lines that they would stretch and set out the corners and all that and the position of that building, and you didn't want to mess those up because if you did, it would mess the whole building up if they didn't catch it. And I ran over one, being the inexperienced operator that I was. And of course, I went straight and faced the music and the carpenter told me, he said, well, how bad did you hit it? And I told him, I said, well, I, I bumped into it enough that I heard it. And uh, he said, oh, okay. I said, I heard boards cracking and popping. I said, it's still standing there. And he said, well, the next time, and I, at first when he said this, I thought he was joking around. He said, if you hit it, just go ahead and run it plumb over. And I thought, well, no, nah, you know. And he said, no, he said, I'm serious because if you just bump it, it knocks it off by just a little bit and it's not obvious, it's off. He said, but if you run it plumb over, then I know not to trust it. And you see, that's the way that it is for man. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And what I realized in that is it's better if those control points are only off by a quarter inch over a long distance. That can throw things way out of whack. But if they're right and you're using them to see what's right, then you won't go wrong. And when we find Jesus as our chief cornerstone, rather than Confucius, rather than Buddha, rather than these other things in the world that seem right, we won't go wrong. Because if you take a framing square 
And you, you know, if Brother Scott and I were to be looking at that corner of this church house back there, and Brother Scott says, Brother Jeremiah, I believe that's, I believe that's perfectly square. And I say, well, Brother Scott, I, I think your eye's a little crooked there, buddy. I think, it, uh, I think it's not. And we go back and forth and we discuss it. We're not going to argue because we ain't like that. And then we go and get a square that we know is 90 degrees and we plop it in that corner and it turns out Brother Scott's right and I'm wrong. Now I can argue, but when we both lay eyes on that square, it doesn't matter what I think or what he says, it's what the square says. And that's the way this Word of God should be, is that we should square to it, not redefine what a square is, or begin to try to change things that God said in order, such as in this world now, they're trying to redefine what a man and a woman is. When it says that God made them both male and female, that what God has said in order, man cannot change. He can rename it. He can call it different stuff. But that don't change what it is. Or like I believe it was C.S. Lewis said, you know, a fact's one of those pesky little things that even when you stop believing it, it doesn't cease to be true. And that's the way that this Word of God is. And when Jesus was talking to these people and they were running around and saying, hey, now, I don't believe you're doing what's right. You're healing people on the Sabbath day. And we're not supposed to do that. Even though they couldn't heal anything, that they couldn't help anybody, Jesus' condemnation of them was that in the places that they could help, they wouldn't. And in fact, they would turn around and heap burdens upon people. And church, be careful when you hear that or read that, that you don't sit back there with your arms folded and saying, well, I'm better than them Pharisees. Because you just messed up. You just fell into the same trap. Anytime you hear the Word of God preached and it says, don't do this, don't sit back there and say, well, now I'm not guilty of that. You other people better watch out. We're not called to be arrogant and self-reliant, but rather to look around and say, there, but for the grace of God, go I, that all I am is a sinner saved by grace. Founded on the chief cornerstone. Because your surety should be such as... And, and I watched a World War II documentary and a guy was talking about those naval pilots. And he said, I don't know if all pilots are like this, but he said, those naval aviators, he said, we were an arrogant lot. And he said that if they walked us into the wardroom and began to lay out a mission for us and say, now everybody in this room but one of you is going to get killed on this mission. He said, every man in there would be sitting there saying, well, I feel sorry for the rest of these guys. Because I ain't going to be the one that gets it. And when it comes to your salvation, you need to be that sure, but not because of you, but because of Him. That chief cornerstone. Not because of anything that you've done. If anybody were to begin to put you to the test, or maybe they're asking you to justify your entrance into heaven, and you say anything other than Jesus Christ, you've missed the point, because it's all on Him. Because Jesus, the way He put it, in a couple of different places, not least of which is in Matthew chapter 7, as He said, those who hear My sayings and do them, He said, I'd liken them unto a man who dug deep and laid the foundation upon the rock and said, the wind and the rains come against it, beat vehemently on it, but it stood. And he said, those that hear them, all would hear them. He said, but those that hear them and don't keep them, 
He said, I liken them unto a person who built their house upon the sand and the wind and the rain came and said it fell and the fall of it was great that you can build something up and it seems alright and it looks okay but when you put it to the test that it better be founded upon the rock or it won't stand. And so Jesus is telling them that. And notice what He says there in verse 29. It says, My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. Verse 30, I and My Father are one. He literally just answered the question that they asked. I and My Father are one. And if He's the Christ, which is what they asked, then he just answered the question. Because all the prophecy says that he and God will be co-equal and co-eternal. And he answers their question. And I imagine, you know, let's pretend like we don't know what comes next. That maybe they look and say, okay, now was that so hard? Finally, you've told us. Great. What should we do? That would be the logical reaction. That would be, they asked the question and he answered them. But let's check in on what they actually say to him in verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Oh, yeah. That, now I, I can be honest, I've had a few hostile classrooms, but they ain't never tried to do that to me. But Jesus answered them plainly. They're like, okay, that's, that's enough for me. Let's kill him. And see, they were already planning on it beforehand. What? And Jesus then begins to talk to him. And verse 32, Jesus answered them saying, Many good works have I showed from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? You see, he tells them, I've done the work of God. Don't attribute it to the devil. But you see, they were founded on something that was unstable and shaky. And it was legalism. And it's real easy to fall into that as a Christian. It's where you look around and you begin to judge the work of every man and every servant solely based on your own ideology. And at best, all that will make you is a moral hypocrite. That's it. But if you judge... Based upon the Word of God. It's that square that we can put in the corner and it either says, yes, it's square, or no, it's not. That's it. You may say it seems awful black and white, Brother Jeremiah. Thus saith the Word of God. That if it's not for God, then it's against God. If it's not aligned with His Holy Word. When you hear a man preach and he doesn't anchor it all into Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, look, without Jesus all the rest of this is pointless. Then I tell you, do not hear Him. Because it's unsound doctrine. He's a guy who builds you a house on sand. Yeah. And it'll be square, plumb, and true in every possible way. But when the wind and the waves come, it'll fall. And you can trust in the wrong thing. Years ago, and I won't, I won't do this to you, I thought about doing this tonight. That I had my entire congregation, I told them to turn to Revelation chapter 23. And I seen them, and as I was you know, talking and giving them time to find... Revelation chapter 23, I seen a puzzled look begin to ripple throughout the entire congregation. It was because there is no Revelation chapter 23. And my whole sermon was don't put your trust in man. That's right. You see, when they did that, they might have thought, wait a minute. I don't 
is there a 23rd? Did I miscount? Well, Brother Jeremiah would know. And they put their trust in me, and then when they got to Revelation 22 and seen, well, that's it, then they realized they put their trust in the wrong thing. And believe you me, that a lot of times what we do when we become legalists is we're running around making sure that we beat the average. And here in 21st century United States of America, that's what it's all about, beating the average. I was in a classroom with a bunch of college students one time and we were having a critical debate on something, which is something I love to do, uh, and we were talking about equality. And I told them, or I posed a question to the class, the professor allowed me to do this, and I said, how many people in here, raise your hand if you believe that you're above average in intelligence? Every hand in there went up. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I said, how many people in here, if I went and found your school records, would show that you're above average? And there was only a few hands went up. And I told them, I said, how many in here are willing to put in an above average effort to get an A in this class? And there was but a few hands went up then. And I told him, because we were talking about equality, and in here in the United States, it's all about equality. Everybody has to be equal. And I told him, I said, but what you all are describing equality would be in that same class if I work my tail off and I get an A+. And then somebody else sank holes around, shows up to class only occasionally, doesn't really do the assignments, and they earn an F. But I get pulled from an A and they get pulled up to a C. I get pulled down, they get pulled up. I said, that's equality. I said, how many of you would want that? Well, the people that wouldn't put forth any effort, they'd be, sounds great. And you see, that's what it's all about here in the United States. Uh, Here in West Virginia, we say, thank God for Mississippi because we're 49th in everything and they're 50th. But let me tell you this, there are no degrees to saved. It's either you're saved or you're not saved. That's it. It's not, well, I'm better than most of you, so I guess I'm all right. Or I've beat the average, I beat the spread, and so I'm going to make it. Let me tell you something. If I come before the throne of grace and I say, now I've preached X number of sermons, my podcast has over 12,000 downloads now, and I've done all these things, Lord, you've got to let me in. He's going to look at me and say, well, I know about all that, but I don't know you. Because if that's all I've based it on, that Scripture terrifies me. That Scripture keeps me looking at Brother Jeremiah. Uh, sometimes people will ask me, well, didn't you see what they did? Or didn't you hear what they said? And I've had to often say, I was far too consumed with minding my own business. And sometimes that's what we've got to do. But as a pastor... It is my job that if a member of my congregation gets out of whack, uh, that I need to come and say, look, this is concerning. Come to them in love. How often it is that a a church group will come to somebody uh, almost with torches and pitchforks uh, and say, get in line or we're going to hog toss you out of the church uh, rather than saying, we love you, we want to keep you, we don't want to see anything bad happen to you. And you see, the Pharisees, they they were all about that sort of thing. Let's get them by the nape of the neck and we'll drag them into the church house and we'll about half drown them in the baptistry until that they decide they should quit sinning. And I can tell you, all that would do is just spread fear. 
John and James, they both looked around and they come into a city of Samaria. And they were like, hey, Jesus hit the bricks. We don't want any of what you've got. And I don't know about you all, but as a Christian, I've been done this way. Been told, hey, keep your religion to yourself, pal. We don't need what you have. And that's what the Samaritans did is they told Jesus, look, beat it. You're a Jewish guy. We don't want to hear anything of what you have to say. And then James and John looked over at Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, would you that we would call down fire from heaven just like Elijah did and consume them? And Jesus, boys, you don't understand. If I wanted them destroyed, I'd destroy them. If I wanted to come into this world and to kill everybody, that's what I would do. He said, but I'm come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. I've come that you might have something stable in an unstable world. Because you look around and you can find that there's not a whole lot of things you can count on nowadays. You know that, that each generation, I think, talks about the previous one in a kind of a negative light. And I was thinking about this and been praying on this about, you know, the, the generation that would be my children's age. And when I, you know, and I've always been a student of history and become a student of psychology when I was learning to be a teacher. And you think about what this upcoming generation has. There's overwhelming debt yeah. in the United States of America. Oh, yeah. Uh, the economy's waxing worse and worse and worse. Jobs are getting harder and harder to find. There's less hope in the future for them than there was when I was their age. When I was their age, I was an optimist. Now you can't get them to take anything serious. Uh, that they don't really take anything uh, serious unless it's in the form of a meme. And, you know, they joke about everything. That I've said of them that if 9-11 were to happen... Today, they'd be joking about it tomorrow. But you see, they grew up in a world where that they're being told everything's bad, you're bad, we're bad, everything's bad, and there's no hope. And I can tell you, if you look around in this world, and church, you, can, you know, many of you, I've heard you say, I quit watching the news. Because it's always doom and gloom. There's no hope. But I can tell you tonight, that's a lie out of hell. Because there's hope in Jesus Christ. That though there be a famine ahead of us, that He can make sure you have food enough to eat. That in times of scarcity, He can make sure that you have plenty. But it all starts with being founded upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Because without Him, yeah, you turn to the world, there's little hope. There's little assurance that you can look around and you can say, well, maybe I can count on money. Well, I can tell you, by the end of this coming week, the almighty dollar could be laid in the dirt. By the end of this coming week, I don't mean to scare you or anything, but our, our son is now in a period of unrest. You know, the star that our planet orbits to the point to where that it's shooting out solar flares and coronal mass ejections. And if one hit Earth just right, we would be sent back to the Stone Age technologically. Whenever I tell my students that, they get fidgety. You mean I won't have the internet no more? Kids, you won't have lights, much less the internet. And you see, if I, and me knowing that, you would think, well, I'm running around looking to the skies fearful. 
But you see, the Bible says that no man plants his field looking to the sky. It's not my job to worry about the heavens. My job is to worry about those down here in this world who don't have a Savior. That if things we trust in fall apart, that we can trust in the chief cornerstone, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that though our lives come to an end, that we'll be better over on the other side. But you know, he didn't just say he was going to take care of us in that either. He said, I'll go all the way with you. Stick closer than a brother. He said, come unto me, all you that are labored and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I can tell you, as a kid, as a young man, I remember, man, I, I could get by on two, three hours of sleep a night, sometimes less. And do that for weeks at a time, as long as I could catch up. Now if I get one less hour of sleep, I feel like that somebody took a club and beat me while I was in the bed asleep. And you see that the things that I value now are peace and quiet and rest. Oh yeah. Because if you're living your life, you'll find that you don't get much rest. Yes. And I can tell you that in this whole world, we may be in that last long mile. Where that we're grinding down to the end, to where the Lord's getting ready to turn to Christ and say, Son, go get your bride. And then it's all over. And you see, at that point, uh, what it makes me think about is that, that it says that when that happens, that those that aren't in Christ will cry to the rocks, to come fall on them and hide them from His face. But we'll be standing upon the rock and we'll behold Him. We'll be looking up and saying, Here I am. I've held on to the blood. Come get me. And He'll welcome us in as a good and a faithful servant. But at that point, it's going to be obvious to all who He is. You see, the Pharisees asked Him. He told them they wouldn't believe Him. And they decided they were going to kill Him for it. But I can tell you this. Jesus said very plainly, they hated Me, they'll hate you. But you make sure if they hate you, they hate you because you're founded upon the rock. You make sure that you're standing firm upon the Word of God because people won't like you when you do. Uh, uh, when you don't square with this contemporary ideology uh, uh, that everything, you know, people running around telling, quote unquote, their truth. Yeah. I had a student tell me that last year. I said, Mr. Williamson, I need, and she wanted to sit down and talk with me. And I said, Well, that's fine. She said, I need to tell you my truth. And I said, Well, hold on. What does that mean? What do you mean your truth? And I said, Are you, do you mean to say you just want to tell me about you and about your situation? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, first of all, the truth isn't subject from one person to the next. Right. I said, the truth is either true or it's not true. Right. I said, that's it. But the world now, they view the truth as subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder. Oh, yeah. And that's a lie out of hell. That's a trick of the devil that people run around and like I've said many times nowadays when I was a kid the, the most popular Bible verse was John 3.16. Yes. Now it's Matthew 7.1. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him should not perish. And there's a hallelujah in that. And now Matthew 7.1 is Judge not lest ye be judged. 
And they want to camp out on that Scripture. They don't want to read the rest of it. They don't want to read that with whatever measure you meet out, it'll be measured unto you also. And, and they may say, well, stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Christians. Uh, uh, you better not be judging. But let me tell you something. When I look at this world, I judge based on the Word of God. And I'm willing to be judged by this Word right here. Because this Word says that in Christ, I'm absolved of my sin. But the world says, I don't need Christ. I don't need anybody. I'm self-reliant. And I can tell you, I was raised to be self-reliant to a point. My father raised me to be able to do a lot of things and to rely on my own wits and my own ability. But you see, there was an asterisk next to that that I didn't notice until later. Because I seen dad as a very self-reliant and independent man. You know, he was kind of my hero. When he died, it shook the very foundations of my being because I thought, well, if he can die, anybody can die. You know, prior to that, I thought, well, not him. And then what I realized was that all the strength that he had, it was all based on if the Lord allows me to live, if the Lord blesses me to be able to make it. And as I've gotten older, I've found my strength begin to diminish. I've found my wits and wisdom to fail me frequently. But yet people will look at me at times and be like, how did you know? How did you do that so well? And it's not because of me. It's because of God working through me. And I've come to trust Him because I've found that I can't count on me. You know, I, I surely hope that nobody has ever looked at me and said, Jeremiah Williamson can save me. Because if they did, they've not listened to me preach more than once or twice. I can't save anybody. Couldn't even save myself. I told my own children that. I told them, I said, Daddy can't save you. Daddy couldn't even save himself. And you see, this world now, we, we, we run around, oh, I'm self-reliant. I'll build my own house. I'll do my own thing. I'll get out and I'll work it out. And I'll get everything that I need if God sends the sun and the rain. If God allows this heart to keep beating. If God allows me to get out of bed. You see that a lot of times we look around and we're trying to build on nothing and it won't last. can't. And Jesus, when He's looking at these Pharisees, He's like, you've got a lot of self-righteousness, but you're not founded on anything other than just lofty ideas. And it won't stand. Jesus is that chief cornerstone. If anything, what we're called to be are pillars unto Him. And you know what a pillar does? It just holds something up and transfers down to the foundation. You're not called to save people, but you are called to hold them up before the Lord that they might get saved and that then they might trust upon that rock, upon Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, the One who can save us from our sins. Because if we look around at this world and we look at what's sure... You know, it used to be if somebody had video evidence of something, you could believe it. You can't even believe that now. You can't believe anything that you see or hear or anything else. But I can tell you what you can believe is what stood the test of time. And this holy Word of God has stood the test of time. And if anything in this world can stand the test of time, it's not anything that's man-made. But it's what God has given to man in His Word. And His Word says, they that endure until the end 
the same shall be saved. They have to trust in Him. You see, the world has rejected the cornerstone. They've said, I'll build my own way. And I believe that at that time when they stand before God, if they don't accept Christ, God's going to look at them and say, all right, fine. Not my will, but thine. You chose this. This is what you worked out. The way the Apostle Paul put it is he said, the wages of sin is death. Do you know that people earn their way to hell? Nobody earns their way to heaven, though that's a gift. And that's all it is. And it's a gift given to us by the Son of the Most High God dying for our sins. And anything short of that will not cut it. Anything short of that will not allow a person to make it. Any doctrine other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified is unsound doctrine. And church, do not hear it. Do not suffer it. Do not sit under it. That if they don't anchor it all in Christ, don't buy it. It's phony. It's fake. Jesus, let me read you what He said. He said, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. Do you know His voice? Make sure that you're hearkening unto the voice of the Lord, not the voice of the world. You know, you may watch the news and they're telling you all these things that are really upsetting and concerning and all that. And all I can tell you is, trust in the Lord. He's the only sure thing in an uncertain time. And we can trust in Him. And if you have need of the altar tonight...